Okay, uh, good morning, good Chodesh. Today's daf is daf Nun Dalet. I'm going to go from the first wide line on Nun Dalet Amur Aleph 54a. And today's Shizli Ilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Ze'ev Avram Halevi. And it's also Ilunishmas Chana Rivka Bas Fevel Shraiga HaKoin and Shana Bas Yitzchak. May their memory be a blessing and may their Neshamas have an Aliyah. Um, so I just wanted to bring from yesterday, I mentioned, we mentioned a, a, a little discussion regarding saying So the one interesting point that the Rishonim discuss is Birchas Hanen, in Brachas we say on enjoyment in this world, we generally say that every time we experience that, so every time you eat a fruit, you say Every time you eat bread, you don't only say it once a week or once a month. So that's one point to consider. Secondly, which hanos, which enjoyments in this world do you say the bracha on? I mean, there's nothing uh, more refreshing than getting into a cool pool on a hot summer's day. Why don't you say a bracha on that? Or a, or a hot shower on a cold winter's night? So why don't you say a bracha on that? Um, and that would that could answer the same point, why we don't say a bracha every time we switch on a light. Again, you walk into a dark room, you can't see, you want to get the benefit of being able to see, so you switch on a light. Why don't you say a bracha then? So many answer that Chazal only instituted birchas hanenim when it's something that enters your body. Okay, for example, food, drink, smell, those are birchas hanenim. Boreimine besamim is birchas hanenim. And if you would smell besamim now, you would say the bracha boreimine besamim. And if you'd smell it uh, tomorrow or few hours later, you would say um, So those are that's birchas hanenin, and you only say it on on hanor uh, that enters your body. I guess we can discuss and think why would Chazal design institute the brachas like that, but that's for another time. And then once we have that, we can now understand um, why we don't say bracha every time we switch on a candle. So why do we say a bracha on Motzei Shabbos then when you light a candle, switch on a candle, light a candle? So the one answer um, is that, well, as we said, it's in memory of when fire, when Adam Arishon lit the first fire for light. He had just, it was Motzei Shabbos, he had been kicked out of Gan Eden, facing the scary dark world, didn't know what uh, predators, etc., what was going on around him. And Hashem um, implanted in his mind this idea to rub two stones together to produce fire, to produce light. And that's what we say in the Brochon. So they actually say this is more similar, this that we say the Brochon on Motzei Shabbos, Borei Morei is more similar to this that we say a bracha every morning on the sun. Yotzer or Baruch Atah Hashem, he says in Birchas Kriyashman, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Lom Yotzer, Oru Vorei Choyshech, he created light, etc. Yotzer HaMoros, all those that to do with, it's the sun is renewed every morning, and that's what we say, a bracha of praise to Hashem. Not, we're not um, doing a Birchas Hanenin, where we saying a bracha because of the benefit we're going to get, Obviously, that's tied into it, but it's primarily to praise Hashem for um, to praise Hashem for the light, and that we do um, when it renews it, and and therefore Motzei Shabbos is the appropriate time um, 
Let's say Shabbos is the appropriate time because that is when it was first uh, first used. The yeah, and also you kind of don't ever they add to that. Why don't you say it then every night? Because you don't really not use fire and light throughout the day. You kind of do for cooking when you enter a dark place. You you know all the time. So, but on Shabbos there's a greater break and there's this added. There's the factor of it's created and there's a bigger break from using light because remember you're not allowed to carry around candles etc. Um, one more point I wanted to bring. Yeah, interesting enough, all birchas hashevach, all brochas that of praise to Hashem, I on the Yam HaGodol, when you see the Mediterranean or the oceans, or when you see a, a huge mountain, all these natural ones, it's all these brochas. You don't say every time you feel that experience. Let's say you go to Everest, so you want to say, Osem uh, You don't say it every time you see Mount Everest, you can only say it once every 30 days. If you stay near Mount Everest, you can't say it. If you go there on the 1st of January, and then you go there on the 20th of January, you can't say it a second time on the 20th of January. You can only say it once every seven, every 30 days. And so too with the Mediterranean, etc. All these brochas are also capped by time. So this fits in well. Birchas HaShevach on the fire should also be capped at um, only every time. Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. As I said, first wide line on Nun Dalet Amur Aleph. Rebbe Mefazrin. Now we're just going to discuss Abdullah a little. Rebbe would say the brocha scattered and Rebbe Yechia would say them all together. Rebbe, as on Motzei Shabbos, as soon as he saw the first light, he would say, As soon as he came across spices, he would smell it. And when he got a chance to get a cup of wine, then he would say Abdullah. Whereas Rebbe Yechia would gather them all together to say them over Abdullah. How we do it. We say it all together, all in order. Rebbe, even though Rebbe would say it all scattered, as soon as he experienced it, he would then go and say them all in order for his children and his B'nai Beisov. Now this is just a, another side point that this triggers, is um, who's Bonov and who's B'nai Beisov? He's... His children and his household. So the one obvious answer is for his wife as well. There's a big discussion. It's actually a three-way machlokas. Is have, what status does Havdola have? And are women obligated in it? So the one answer, this seems to be how the Rambam learns, that Havdola is basically the flip side of Kiddush. Just as women are obligated in Kiddush and it's a positive commandment from the Torah, so to Abdullah is a positive commandment from the Torah. Sorry, just as Kiddush is a positive commandment from the Torah, so to Abdullah is a positive commandment. It's this acknowledgement of the Kedush of Shabbos by the change. By de- um, what's it? When you declare a Shabbos or you declare that Shabbos is left, you create that Kedusha. So that's Abdullah is also Daraisa. Just as women are obligated in all the positive commandments to do with Shabbos, they're also obligated in Abdullah. That seems to be how the Rambam learns. And that would make sense why Rebbe comes along and says it over the cost for his Bonovum Nebeso. A second opinion is no. Kiddush is Daraisa, but Havdole is the Rabbonin, but it's still modeled after Kiddush. So again, if, it's, if the Rabbonin instituted Havdole as modeled after Kiddush, then granted it's only a mitzvah the Rabbonin, women would also be obligated in it. And then there's a third opinion that no, Havdole is a separate Takana de Rabbonin, and since it's a positive commandment, women are actually not obligated in Havdole. 
And that's why very interestingly, I don't know if you've heard, basically women never say their own Avdallah. That's based on the Ramor. He says, since it's not so clear that they're obligated in it, even though most likely, you know, since it's not so clear that they're obligated in it, a woman should not say Avdallah, they should always rely on a man saying it. And that is because it is a brocha that's a positive commandment. Positive commandments that are mitzvahs, we let women do those mitzvahs if they want to, like Sheikh Lulab said in the sukkah, they're allowed to do those mitzvahs and say the brocha. But here the actual mitzvah is the brocha. Etc. So the actual mitzvah is a brocha, so there women should rather not say it. But like we said, the, the Rambam, amongst others, and most likely women are obligated. So if for whatever reason a woman cannot hear it from a man, she's staying by herself, she's traveling, she's um, in hospital, hopefully for a good reason, like a childbirth or something, but she's in hospital and there's no one to say Havdalah for her, then she can say Havdalah herself. Okay, um, so that's just the interesting thing that uh, comes off this, out of these last two lines of how you should say Havdalah. Again, our practice is to say Havdalah together. You say uh, um Yayin and Basamim Ner and then the actual Brocha of Abdullah Hamabdumin Kodesh Lachol, etc. Okay, um, let's go on. Now the Gomorrah um, challenges this. We said that when was light created? On Motzei Shabbos. That was the first time that a fire was created, that light was created, fire was made. So he says, Oh, Vor, but Motzei Shabbos, are you going to tell me that it was created on Motzei Shabbos? Oh, Tanya, we learned to the Bryce, I saw it the Vor in Nivru, but Erev Shabbos. There are 10 things that are created. Erev Shabbos, Ben Moshos. Let's read the 10 things and then I'll mention upon it. It says, Elohim. These are them. Be'er, the well of Miriam. Remember when Moshe, well, the first time Moshe hit the rock, the second time he's supposed to speak to it, but he hit it, that produced water. That, Rashi explains, is a midrash. It was basically like a circle, I imagine shaped kind of like a tire, and it would roll along with them in the desert. But that was created, that miracle of this well was created in Bein Hashmoshes, and so did everything else. The man, the keshes, a rainbow, ksav v'amirta v'aluchos. There are different explanations of that. Some learn it was the writing of the luchos, the tool that was used to write the luchos, and the actual luchos, the first luchos were made by Hashem, that was all created in someone who say, no, it's the letters themselves, how you pronounce them, or how you say them, alef, beis, gimel, etc. And the mirtav is how you write the letter, and the luchos would be the luchos. Okay, those are four, five, and six. Number seven is Kivrosh el Moshe, the grave of Moshe. If you think about it, the grave of Moshe was a huge miracle. Moshe went up the mountain, he was buried, and he disappeared. I mean, the reason, I think one of the reasons is that is because it would turn into a Mokom for I mean, if you knew that Moshe was buried there, you'd take every opportunity to go dive and then it would turn into a focal point of our religion, and sadly, people would get lost and start davening to Moshe, etc. So, it would, so this, his Moshe's grave disappeared. The cave in Har Sinai that Moshe and Eliyahu stood in. When Moshe wanted to see Hashem, he uh, hid in a cave and Hashem passed, put him in a cave and, he, and Hashem passed by. Um, and so too, a similar thing happened with Eliyahu. Psichas Pia Eisan, the mouth of the donkey that could talk, Bilam's donkey, and the mouth, the hole in the ground that swallowed up the Rishom, that's Bakorach. So all of that was created by Moshe. Then a few, some add some things. 
Afesaor. He says also fire. This is the whole point we bring in this year because he says fire was created by Nashmoshos on Erev Shabbos, late Friday, um, Friday afternoon. Vahaperet um, and a mule, that's a cross breed between a horse and a donkey. So to the isle, the ram, remember when Yitzhak was about to be sacrificed, Hashem stopped him and he said, take that ram in the tree. So that ram was also created by Nashmoshas. And the worm, that was a special creature that could cut through rock that they used for the base Amidah. Rabbi Yehuda Aimer Afatseves, Rabbi Yehuda says also tongs. Says who who are your omer? You stay tzatzat tzatzatam is avda. Tongs have to be made for tongs. How do you hold the tongs? In, how do you hold a pair of tongs in the fire to form it? You need another pair of tongs. Says v'tzavta kamaisa man of it. So where did you ever get the first tongs from? Says holai brei b'yidei shomayim here. It must be that they were created by by heaven. Says omalei that chachomim said to him no. Actually, yaseno betfus v'ikveno kiveno could be that they were formed in a mold. I'm not sure how to translate all those words, but formed in a mold. Um, he must be that they were created by man, not necessarily by Hashem. Okay, so that's the price that just before we deal with the question that it raised is that we said the creation was, fire was created on Motzei Shabbos and this price says it was created on Erev Shabbos by Nashmoshos. Just what is special about these things that were created by Nashmoshos? So I think one shot is that... Um, well, firstly, we say, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything was set in motion at the time of creation. So all events, all things that happened in this world had to have been from around the time of creation. But these things are not really part of this world. The ground opening up to swallow Roshoim, the a donkey speaking, the man, that's heaven, bread from heaven, they're not really part of this world. And if you think about it, Benashmoshas is also not really part. Benashmoshas is neither day nor night. It's neither a weekday on a Friday afternoon. It's not. It's it's crossed between weekday and Shabbos. It's neither here nor there. So these items that are not really from this world are created by Nashmoshos. I think that's why I'm shot. And um, to take it another another aspect of that is maybe what Shabbos is a te- we celebrate Shabbos to testify that Hashem created the world. And that this world is Hashem, um, one of the Zeichel uh, and that Hashem created the world, that He's the King over this world. And He's in charge, and He, um, thing. these miracles were also miracles that highlight Hashem's mastery over this world. Okay, so let's just go and answer. Our question says, No, the one that says it was created on Motzei Shabbos is our light. The one that says it was created by Nashmoshes was the light of the of Gehenna, the fire of Gehenna. Says already done by Motzei Shabbos, already Gehenna by Erev Shabbos. Says already Gehenna by Erev Shabbos. Avri, are you going to tell me that Gehenna was created on Erev Shabbos? Vahotanya, we learned in a brayser, Shivat Varim Nivra Koidem Shenivra Oilam. There were seven things created before the world was created. Ve'eluhein, and these are them: Torah, Tshuva, Gan Eden, VeGehenna, VeKisei Akovad, Ubeis Midrash. Again, these are things that are, I guess we could say, central to the world that had to be there before the world was created. What are they? Okay, Torah, Tshuva, Gan Eden, Gehenim, Hashem's throne, the Beis Hamikdash. Amazing, if you think about it, the Beis Hamikdash was created because to have a spiritual home of Hashem in this world, that there had to be that key feature in creation that um, that it could host Hashem. 
and the name of Mashiach that there will be redemption in the future. And now we're just going to bring Psukim to prove this. Hashem made me first. Tshuva before the mountains were born, etc. Man could do tshuva. Translate that as mikoidem. He created this all before. Gehenem dirsiv gehenem as it's written ki eroich me etmol tifte tifte, which is the name of gehenem, was created. Etmol earlier, kisei akovod by samidash dekisei kisei kovod maram meirishon makomik doshenu. These were meirishon long before. Ushmo shemeshiach tilsiv yehi shmo lo olam lifnei shemesh yinon shemo. Okay, Meshiach was created even the name of Meshiach was created even before the sun. So Omri, but again, so we see that Gehenna was created before the. World was created. So how can you come along and say it was created on Friday afternoon? It says Friday evening. So he says Omri Chalala who for Ordi Day Shabbos. No, the whole, the concept of Mashiach of Gehenna was created before Shabbos, but the fi- before the world, but the fire was only put in Gehenna on Erev Shabbos. Um, it's just interesting to think about. I, uh, yeah, I should have said this a bit earlier, but we're saying that all these items are like so essential to the world that they had to be there before the world was created. Why well, is Gehenna? Maybe people shouldn't have sinned. Adam did sin, and then Gehenna was necessary, and Hashem put the fire in it. But why should they, why is that essential? So the one answer I saw is that without failure. They can't really be growth. Without the potential for failure, they can't be growth. And that's what this Gehenim represents. Death and uh, punishment represents that there is failure, but there's room for growth and improvement because of that. And that's our whole purpose in this world is to grow and develop. It's not to be a certain thing. It's to grow and develop. Um, for already day, Be'er of Shabbos, um, was the... Ivri, the ordi day erev Shabbos Ivri, was the light of Gehenim really created on erev Shabbos? For hot and Yosi Amir or Shabbara Kodesh Baruch Hu, but Shani, but Shabbos ain't lo kivya lo olam. The light that Hashem created on Monday of creation, on the second day of creation, would never be extinguished. Shneim ar vayitzav yoru bepagri anoshim aposhimpi. Go and look at the corpses of the men who rebelled and sinned against me. Ki toilosam lo tomusva asham lo techabe. They, they will never decompose completely and they will, their guilt will never be extinguished. I, the fire of Monday, the light of Monday was this fire of Gehenim. Why, why, if you look by all the other days, it says Hashem saw and it was good. On the second day of creation, it says Hashem looked at it. It doesn't say and it was good. That's because Hashem created the fire of Gehenim. Even though Hashem didn't say by it, Kitov, he went and included it in Thursday in, on the sixth day of creation, Friday. It was very good. I, that's going back even on the Monday. Oh, so this would tie in very well with what I said. Why is why would you say good about Gehenna? Again, because that's the opportunity. That's all, that Gehenna represents failure, but with failure comes the opportunity for growth um, and achievement. 
Um, but again, what do we see? That the fire of Gehenna was not created on Erev Shabbos. The fire of Gehenna was created on Monday. Actually, you have to learn like this. The whole, the space of Gehenna, whatever that means, was created before the whole world was created. And its fire was created on Monday. Hashem decided to create fire on Erev Shabbos, I banish Moshe's, and it was not created until Motzei Shabbos. The Tanya Rabbi Yosi Aimei Shnei Tvarim Eile B'Machshava Lebrias Be'erev Shabbos V'Lo Nivro Ad Motzei Shabbos. This is like Rabbi Yosi says that there were two things that Hashem decided to create on Erev Shabbos Banish Moshes, but He only created them on Motzei Shabbos. What are they? Nosan Akharish Bochu Dei Ba'Adam Arishon Ma'ain Dugma Shel Ma'ala Ba'Hevi Shnei Avonim V'Tozmim Zubu Zubu Yotzim Ahem Or Hashem implanted in the mind of Adam Arishon this idea, which was an, a godly idea, to rub two stones together to get fire. And the second one is, He brought two animals, a horse and a donkey, together to create a mule. What gave him that idea to crossbreed these two animals to create the very useful animal, a mule? So that's uh, those, I don't, know, I don't know exactly what the significance is. Uh, it comes up a few times of Hashem decided to create it and then he created. We say that very similarly by Rosh Hashanah. There's a different discussion exactly when was the world created. Was it created in Nisan or Tishrei? And the one opinion is Hashem decided to create it. I'm trying to remember which one, but he actually made it in Tishrei. He decided to make it in Nisan, but he created it in Tishrei. So I'm not sure exactly what this concept means. Um, but then just carrying on regarding the mule. No, the period was from the time of Anna. So, yes. Isn't there a contradiction here with regard to the mule? You can't mix, you can't plant in a grape in a grape in a yeah. vineyard. Very good. You're not allowed to, yeah. it's also to crossbreed animals. You're right. It is, it's, it is kilayim. Not sure. Good question. Not sure how Adam, yeah, to say that Adam, Adam Arishon went and did another Aveira on Motzei Shabbos after he just got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And we're not saying, don't seem to be saying it as a criticism. We're lining it up with a compliment of his godly wisdom to bring about fire. Not sure. Good question. It, it is also to crossbreed animals. Um... Yeah, so Rabbi, maybe that's why Rabbi Shimon Kamil does not happen with the answer. He says it was created when I honor. Shenemar is the Pesach says, Who honor Hashem Watsa es Hayamim Bemidbar? It was Anna who found the Yamim, the yamim these mules in the desert. Dorshay Chamuros, those who expound the difficult Psukim Hoyo Oimrim, they used to say, Honor Psul Hoyo. Ono was a apostle. He was a mamzer. Therefore he brought, this fits in better with you, Mervin. Um, he brought psulim, he brought mamzerim into the world. Shenemar, as it says. How do we see that? When do we see that Ono was a mamzer? He says, I'm just filling that in for the rest of the apostle. Because these are the sons of Seir. Just look at that. Sivon va'ana. And then it says, Uksiv these are the children of Tzivom, Aya and Anna. So first it says the sons of Sivon were Anna. And then it says, sorry, the sons of Seir were Anna. And it says the sons of Tzivom, sorry, 
Sorry, let me rephrase that. It says that the sons of Seir were Tzivon and Anna. And then it mentions that Eva was, Anna was Tzivon's son. So how could it be two people's sons? It's coming to teach us that Tzivon committed incest with his mother and he had Anna. So Anna was Psula Mamzer and therefore he had this mitter to bring Mamzerim into the world through a mule. The Gemara asks, "Oh, but did try Anna? Who? Maybe there were two different Annas." So Amar Rava, Amina Milsa, the Shabu Malka, La Amru Omanu Shmuel, Ika the Amru Amar Papa, Amina Milsa, the Shabu Malka, La Amru Omanu Rava. Rava says, "I'm going to tell you something that even Shabu Malka, who is Shmuel, didn't say." Or uh, some say it was Rav Papa who said, I'm going to tell you something that even Shabur Malko, referring to Rava, didn't say. Oh, my brother, Pasuk says, Hu Anna, Hu Anna de Meikora, it is the same Anna. Um, so, yes, there's only one Anna, and he was the son of his mother and his, bro- of his, mother and his brother. Um, and that's why, uh, and therefore he had that mid of Mamsaris that he would bring uh, um, mules into his son, uh, mules into the world. Just, I don't want to go into it now, but just toss us also an interesting question. We say in Eilul, in Yensh Nochlin, that Dibnei Bonim, Kabonim, grandchildren are like children. We often find this, that it refers to a child, a grandchild as a child. So why don't we just say here, that Anna was the grandson of Seir, and that's why he's referred to as Seir, and not the son of Seir, who wasn't really his father because of... He was actually born to his brother. Why, why don't we learn like that? Okay, that's an interesting question. That tells us go how you have to say from the psukim that he was that he was a mamzer. Okay, let's carry on. Tonera bonen. Now we're going to repeat this. We just what we're going to add in. Remember, we gave a list of ten items that were created by Nashmoshes. We're going to create um, repeat that list and then bring additional items that were that that other opinions say were created then. These are them, the Be'er, the well, man, Keshes, the man and the rainbow, Haksava, Mikhtav, Vahaluchos, writing script in the Luchos, Kivrusha Moshe, the grave of Moshe, Maro, Sheomod, Bo Moshe, Veliau, the cave that Moshe and Aaron, Moshe and Eliau hid in, Psichas Pia on the mouth of the donkey, Bilan's donkey that could talk, Psichas Pia Oris, Livloas Harashoim, Veyesh Omrim and Sam say, Af Maklo shall Aaron also the staff of Avram Shkedov will procheo its almonds and its flowers. What's that referring to? So remember, after the fight of Korach, um, Moshe said, Let's do a challenge to see if Hashem really wants Aaron. Everyone bring your staff and we'll put it by the base of Migdash. And Aaron put his staff by the base of Migdash. And Aaron's staff flowered and the almonds grew on it, even though it was a piece of a, a dead piece of wood that still flowered. The Yesh Omrim Af Hamezik in some say also demons. Demons were created by Nashmoshos. This fits in well with what I said that Benashmoshos represents that it's neither here nor there. It's neither from this world nor that it's not part of the creation as of this world because it's partially spiritual. And that fits in because demons, what are demons? I mean they're different explanations exactly, but along the lines of their like they're more spiritual than people, but they have a physical bodies. So they're neither here nor there. They're not from the spiritual world like angels, and they're not from the physical world like people or animals. Also the clothes of Adam Arishan. Hashem made Adam Arishan a very special garment, which Rashi Halat had engravings or etchings of all the different animals to show his domination of it. He also points out very interestingly that Nimrod was the one who then Gibor Tzayid, he was a strong hunter. I, he was the one who took that clothes. He was the next one to have these garments. And then it says, But Esau killed Nimrod and he took this special garment. 
and that's um, that's what we refer to the big doshel Adam Rishon also also created by Hashemoshos. There's seven things that are concealed from a person. The first one is the day of death. Important to note, oh, we know the Mishnah says you must do tshuva one day before you die. Well, you don't know when you're going to die, so you should spend every day doing tshuva. Um, that's the harsh Musa. The Yom Hanachoma, the day of Consolement, you don't know when you'll feel consoled. People go through losses, they go through challenges and difficulties, and you don't know how long it's going to take you to forget and recover from it. For Omei Kadin, the depth of judgment, a few explanations, but one is, we don't see how far and far-reaching and deep and precise Hashem's judgment is. Um, I, I remember once, I'm trying, I can't remember the source, but it said, I mean, at least regarding Hashem's judgment for us, um, and how careful, I guess, judges have to be. But just regarding Hashem's judgment for us, remember reading. I think it's a Gomorrah. It says that if a person is doing it, he realizes his Yetzirah is defeating him. And he sighs in disappointment at himself while doing the Avera. That, that's, Hashem takes that into account. And it's not as severe Avera that he's just doing it all out. He regrets it a little bit. And that, that helps. Um, so Oimei Kadin, it, it really pierces to the essence of everything. You don't know what's in the heart of your friend. I guess you have to spend a lot of time working and developing a relationship, but it's never something that's just there. A person doesn't know what his path is to wealth. You have to kind of just work in this world. Um, another explanation is if people knew what, if everyone knew what profession would be the profession to make wealth, everyone would become the same thing. Everyone would go to university and do the exact same degree. And what about all the other, you can't have, let's say, I don't know, it's actuaries or whatever it is. So everyone would become an actuary. What about, you need accountants, you need doctors, you need uh, nurses, you need engineers, you need all different people. So we don't know what will make someone wealthy. We don't know when Mashiach will come. And we don't know when the guilty kingship, okay, that's referring kingdom, referring to Rome, will be destroyed. There are three things that Hashem decided to create, but would have had to be created even if He didn't think about it. That a corpse decomposes. One reason is because otherwise people would keep it around and it would compound the grief if corpses never decompose. That people forget the deceased. Come back to that. And that grain will rot. And some say that coins circulate. And so just on a, that you forget your mace. Forgetfulness is a brocha. Forgetfulness is a brocha. Imagine when the last tragedy or difficulty you suffered. Imagine that was as fresh in your mind today as it was when it happened then. People wouldn't be able to survive. So forgetfulness is a brocha. Obviously the grief is often still there. But it uh, mellows over time as you forget the stark um, reality of the experience you went through. And similarly, I think that grain rots is because otherwise people would hoard and there wouldn't be this open market. People trying to trade and interact with each other so that, okay, well, I have grain which will rot. I'll sell it to you and I need something else. If my grain would never rot, I'd just keep it for another time when I need it. It would mess with the market. And that coin circulate. I didn't really understand that. Maybe one is that 
Um, I was thinking maybe one thing could be that people are prepared to sell you something for paper money. That's just, or even using a credit card. You don't see any money, you don't see any value, but theoretically in your mind, you know that, okay, this money represents something and the market's able to function, but I'm not sure exactly what, um, that the coins circulate. Okay, um, next Mishnah. Okay, carrying on with um, various minhagim. Remember, that's what we started the period dealing with. It says, If there's a minag in your area, to, in your city, or place to do malach on Tisha B'Av, you're allowed to do it. If it's a place where you're not allowed to do malacha, where they have the minag to not do malacha, you're not allowed to do malacha. Um, why should you not do malacha on Tisha B'Av? It distracts from the base, from the morning of the base Amigdash. It's funny because I know I always have this issue, especially with, I mean, it's difficult for me, but especially with like my students and stuff, is they want to know what they can do on Tisha B'Av. They can't sit around and do nothing the whole day. It's too difficult. So they want to do something that distracts them from the fast. But the whole, one of the whole points of, the, well, the only, one of the whole points of the restrictions on Tisha B'Av is so that we focused on the morning and the loss of the Beis Amidash. Okay, Talmud Chochom, but in all places, Talmudai Chachomim should not work. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says a person should make himself a Tamut Chochem. Generally, we say these things that we sell for Tamidei Chachomim, it's arrogance. And, it's, and therefore, it's bad to act like a Tamut Chochem. But, he says, in this area, it's a good thing to do. We'll discuss that, I think, tomorrow. Omar Shmuel. Shmuel says, Shmuel says that there's no communal fast in Bavel except for Tisha B'Av alone. Um, again, various explanations in the Rishonim. I think Rabbeinu David gives the easiest one in the name of the Ramban. He says that, did I ever mention about Rabbeinu David? It's interesting. Different Masechtas we find have different common... Uh, obviously, there's like Rashi and Tosos goes on. Every Masechta. But some Masechtas we have many Rishonim and many commentaries and some, for whatever reason, we just have very few. And Psochim is one of those that we have relatively few commentaries on. And I don't know when, it must have been in the last 60 years or so, um, they found a manuscript of this Rishon Rabbeinu David. Um, and he was from the group of sages, Talmidim of the Ramban. And there, that was a very great group of sages. It was the Ramban, the Rashba, the Ritva, the Ra- they were all a, a group at a similar time. Their lives uh, crisscrossed and interacted, many of them Talmidim of the Ramban or Talmidei Talmidim of the Ramban. And... So it's a wonderful safer going from the beginning of Tzachim to the end. We have this Rishon who brings the Torah, well, obviously his uh, great wisdom, but the wisdom of the Ramban and, uh, and many other great sages and analyzes it. So um, it was the manuscript. I don't know who exactly found it, but I know the, the one who took it to print was Rav Avram Shoshna. He was in uh, Tales of My Grandfather, but he's actually worked there. A lot of manuscripts that we have, and uh, almost if you call them new Rishonim, and he put in a lot of energy to transcribe those manuscripts into uh, and print them and, and and get them distributed. Um, so, yeah, interesting uh, story just about this Rabbeinu David that I quote very often. One of the fundamental Rishonim on uh, on the Gemara, um, and it's for many of us it's rel- it's, it's relatively new, even though obviously he wrote it uh, probably about seven hundred years ago. Um, Okay, so Rabbeinu David explains that 
Tanis Tzibur, generally, when we're talking about this Tanis Tzibur, we're referring to fast for rain. In Eretz Yisrael, they used to have well, the fast for tragedies. Um, but just to keep in mind, one of the main Tanis Tzibur they used to have, if it didn't rain early enough in the season, they would start fasting. And the longer it went on without rain, that the drought continued, the more severe and intense the fasting would get. So finally, they would have full day fast, kind of like we keep um, Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av. So that's the one aspect of Tanis Tzibur. The other aspect that he mentions here is that Yoyuk, they would decree fast for other calamities and tragedies that were coming in. They would decree Tanis Tzibur. But he says that only the Sanhedrin could decree, or the, 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 the main Beisdin could decree Tanis Tzibur, and that there was only that in Eretz So this that we find, Tanis Tzibur, these high level strict fasts, are only in Eretz Yisrael and not in Babel. Except for Tisha B'Av is in Babel also. So remember, the Tzavah Shmuel, Tisha B'Av, Bein HaShmosheh, Shalom Asur. You're telling me this, that Shmuel holds that Bein HaShmosheh of Tisha B'Av is Asur. I, you treat Bein HaShmosheh. So again, this is how we do it. So it's confusing to think about it. But how, Tisha B'Av is the Rabbonin. So why do you start fasting from before Bein HaShmosheh? You should only start fasting from after Bein HaShmosheh, from nightfall. Because the Rabbonin, you should be able to go lenient. So he says, Shmuel actually says, Tisha B'Av is Mutar. He says, oh, so again, Shmuel just said that the only Tanis Tzibur is Tisha B'Av, implying that it has all the stringencies similar to Yom Kippur. But Shmuel himself holds you allowed to do eat until nightfall of Tisha B'Av. Maybe Shmuel holds well with regular Tanis Tzibur, you're also allowed to um, eat until till nightfall. It says, You're only allowed to eat and drink while it's still day. Once they come in the suit, that must be saying you can only eat while it's day, not while it's Bainash Moshas. She says, Not necessarily. It could just be coming to exclude from dark. Name a Messiah. Let's bring a support for this. It says, Bein um, there's only one difference between Bein between Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, and that is a doubt. On Yom Kippur, a doubt is Osir, and on Tisha B'Av, a doubt is Mutar. Now, my Sveika Mutar, what doubt are we referring to? Love Bein Hashmoshos, is that not referring to Bein Hashmoshos? So we see that there is an opinion um, that Bein Hashmoshos is... Permitted for Tisha B'Av. Says law, not necessarily. Could the Omer of Shisha Breder of Idi look for the Yarcha Hachanami lekiva the Yarcha? Rav, he says no. What does it mean? This that it's so, if it's Sofek, it's also on Yom Kippur, but it's Mutar. Is if you're not sure what day of the month it is. I'm going to do Tosos explanation because it's easier. You you get lost in the desert and you're not sure is Yom Kippur today or tomorrow. So Sveika also, you have to go strict and fast today and tomorrow. Tisha B'Av, you're not sure if Tisha B'Av is today or tomorrow? You only have to fast one of those days. You don't have to fast both, both days. So that's what Sveika Mutar means. Dorash Rova, Rova expounded. Uvaru Anos 
pregnant woman and nursing woman must fast and they must complete the fast. Just as they fast and they complete it on Yom Kippur. And it's Bein HaShmosha says Osur and so to Rabbi Yochanan says. So up to here we've been discussing more along the lines of Shmuel who says that you can eat on Erev Tisha B'Av up until nightfall. Not like us who stopped before, but Rav and Rabbi Yochanan say that no, you must stop like on Yom Kippur while it's still day. Rabbi Yochanan says that Tisha B'Av is not like a Tanis Tzibur. Not like a communal fast, I a strict fast. Says, my love, Laban Moshes. Is that not saying Laban Moshes? I, you can't tell me that Rabbi Yochanan holds Laban Moshes is also when he says Tisha B'Av is not as strict as a Tanis Sibur. Must be it's not as strict in regards to Laban Moshes. Says Lo la Malacha, saying you can't do Malacha. Ah, so what's Rabbi Yochanan when Rabbi Yochanan says that Tisha B'Av is not like a Tanis Sibur? He's saying that you can that you can't. Um, say one thing. Yeah, that you can't do melacha. He says melacha trina. We learned in a mishnah. Makom shenogu lasos melacha betisha bav oisin. Makom shenogu shelo lasos ain oisin. I feel Rabbi Shimon and even Rabbi Shimon Gamliel lo amar ella the ki yasi velo avid loy mechzi kiyura. Aval meisel lo oisin. Even Rabbi Shimon Gamliel who says you should not do. Everyone should make themselves like a tamid chacham and not work on tisha bav. No one says it's osur. So this, so if you come along and tell me that when Rabbi Yochanan says that Tisha B'Av is not like a Tanis Tzibur, I Tisha B'Av, you can't do Melacha, that's not true. Because even the strictest opinion regarding not doing Melacha on Tisha B'Av is really only a Minag. So he says, Elamai ain't a Katanis Tzibur? No, so what does it mean when Rabbi Yochanan says that Tisha B'Av is not like a Tanis Tzibur? The Tfilas Ne'ilat regarding saying the illa. On these fasts that I was mentioning you that they would have for rain or other calamities, they actually used to daven the illa as well. Remember, you'd have five tfilot, um, like, like we have on Yom Kippur. Shach, um, Mariv, Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, and Ne'ila. But at least four, but they would add in Ne'ila. So Rabbi Yochanan saying that on Tisha B'Av you don't do Ne'ila. His in says, if only people would spend the whole day davening. I dare discussing if you're not sure if you davened or do you want to daven again, can you daven again? So Rabbi Yochanan says, if only you spent your whole day davening, it's a good thing. So what do you mean? Rabbi Yochanan would tell us that you're not allowed to do na'ila. He holds every day you can do na'ila. Every day you can daven as much as you want. So No, what he's saying is, on Yom Kippur... Sorry, um, on sorry on a tanis on Tisha B'Av verse a tanis tzibur on a tanis tzibur you're obligated to do ne'ilah, and like Rabbi Yochanan holds on a regu, on regular Tisha B'Av when you're not obligated if you want to you can do ne'ilah. So that's what Rabbi Yochanan says Tisha B'Av is not like a tanis tzibur. So that's the first explanation. Again, okay. Rabbi Yochanan says that Tisha B'Av is not like a tanis tzibur. We wanted to say regarding Ben Ashmoshos. Said not necessarily. We suggested a few answer, and the bottom line, well, this this answer explains no the difference between Tisha B'av when Rabbi Yochanan said that. What did he mean? He meant that Tisha B'av is also um, sorry. Tisha B'av you don't have to say Neila. Obviously, like Rabbi Yochanan holds on every other day of the year, if you want to, you can, but you don't have to. But on a fast day, Tanis Tzibur, you have to say Neila. 
the Ibo is an alternative answer. My What did he mean when he said it's not Tani Sibula Eshrim for Arba for 24 brochos? There's a special Amidah, they would say, on these fast days, they would insert another six brochos. So you'd have a Amidah, your Amidah wouldn't be 18 or 19 like ours is, it would be 24 brochos. Says Rapopa on my Rapopa gives a different answer. Says my Eino Katanis Tibur. What did Rabbi Yochanan Eino Kirishonus veLoi Kachronus veAsura? It's not like remember Ela Kachronus. Remember I mentioned that the, the, as the drought went on for longer and got worse, they would increase the severity of the fasts. It's a whole set in Tanis. When we get to Maseches Tanis, we'll see it in detail there. This discussion, but as we, so he says, when Tisha B'Av is not like the early fasts, I that you're allowed to eat at night. Like our reg- like most of our fasts, the sorbetev etc. Like you're allowed to eat at night, you can basically do what you want. Rather, it's like the latter fast, which are severe, I which actually line up with how we keep Tisha B'av. It's a twenty-five, it's a full day fast, I full twenty-five hours, not just uh, twelve hours from morning till night. You're not allowed to wash yourself, etc. So that's the first point. Mesivay, they challenged. Rabbi and Rabbi Yochanan, and by Tisha B'Av Le Yom Kippurim, Elishes there's Feika Osur, there's Feika Mutar. Rabbi and Rabbi Yochanan say there's no difference between Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippurim, except that this one it's Sofek is Osur, and this one it's Sofek is Mutar. My Feika Mutar la Ben Ashmosha Shelo is Feika Mutar, not referring to Ben Ashmoshas. I on Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to eat Ben Ashmoshas. You have to stop eating before sunset. And on Tisha B'Av you're allowed to eat all the way until nightfall. So Amr Shisha, Breder of Idi, Loilik for the Yarka. As we said, no, it is um, specifically for if you're not sure what day of the month it is, do you have to keep two days or not? Holochol Tivrei. Did someone want to ask something? Holochol Tivreihem, Zevazeh Shovim. But this implies in all other aspects, Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur are the same. Oh, this is a proof for Rabbi Elozor. He says you're not even allowed to dip your finger in water on Tisha B'Av, just as you're not allowed to dip your finger in water on Yom Kippur. Now, Mesiba, they challenge us. But the only difference between Tisha B'Av and Tanis Sibur is that on a Tanis Tibur you're not allowed to do Melacha, and on Tisha B'Av, if it's a Minag, a place where they have the Minag too, you can do Melacha. implying that Tanis Tibur and Tisha B'Av are the same. When they said on a Tanis Tibur, you're not allowed to wash your hands, that is, you're not allowed to wash your hands, you... Well, you're not allowed to wash yourself. That's referring to your whole body. But you're allowed to wash your face, hands, and feet. Now, so what's the what's the difficulty here? We came out and we wanted to say that the only difference between Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur is... Sorry, one second. Um, is... If you have to keep two days or one day, if you're not sure of the day, we said that's the only difference, which implies that on Tisha B'Av, you're not even allowed to dip your finger in water, just as you're not allowed to dip your finger in water on Yom Kippur. But now we just shown that on a Tanis, we said that Tisha B'Av is the same as a Tanis Tzibur, again, except for uh, um, except for doing Malacha, but Tisha B'Av is the same as a Tanis Tzibur. 
And on a tiny sibri, you are allowed to wash your hands, face and feet as long as you don't wash your whole body. So which one is it? It's Amra Papa, Tana, Kuli, Kuli, Katani. It says no. It's one Tana and he's teaching different lenient, excuse me, leniencies. Uh, he's not teaching us the full range of differences between Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur and telling us that there's only one difference. He's not teaching us the full range of differences between Tanis Tzibur and, and Tisha B'Av and therefore there's only one difference. What he's really doing is he's just teaching us two difference, two cases where Tisha B'Av is more lenient than Yom Kippur, i.e., in regards to keeping two days, and Tisha B'Av is more lenient than Atanis Sibur regarding um, doing Malacha. And Atanis Sibur, you're not allowed to do Malacha and Yom Kippur, you can't. But regarding where Tisha B'Av is stricter, like Tisha B'Av is stricter than Atanis Sibur because you're not allowed to wash your hands at all, whereas on Atanis Sibur you would be allowed to. Um, all those cases he's not teaching about. He's only teaching where it is more these two cases where Tisha B'Av is more lenient in case one than Yom Kippur and in case two than Atanis Tzibur. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.